Welcome to You Gotta Have Faith. What is faith? In Hebrews 11th chapter 1st verse, the Apostle Paul writes, Faith is the substance of things hoped for and evidence in things not seen. One playwright writes, it's believing you see white when your eyes tell you black. It's a belief when no one else believes. Dr. King says if you don't believe in something, you'll fall for anything. This is a podcast about faith. This is a Christian podcast where we share our faith and belief in God and also in mankind, the goodness and kindness in mankind. In today's world, we see lots of ugliness based on racism, misogyny, and age-old grudges. But there is goodness in all of us. There is goodness in this world. But it begins with our belief. you got to have faith. All right. Today is uh, the 10th of November, and we finally have everyone here. We've Hooray! got Craig and Jen. Uh, I'm sorry, back. not Jen. Uh, Deb, who is back from her vacation. <laughs> We've got a full roll call. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Deb, how was, your, how was your trip? It was charming and wonderful, and mm-hmm. I'm... I'm ready to move there. <laughs> <laughs> so you, it was magical. It was so magical. you weren't just at Rome, but you were you were at a bunch. I of went other to Rome and, and Florence, then I went right? to La Spezia, which is oh. near the Gulf of Poets, above Cinque Terre. Yeah, and then I went to Florence after that. And you watercolored the sunsets of Siena. I I didn't go to Siena, you didn't but go I to Siena. I stayed because of my knee. Uh, it's a kind of a steep climb there. Uh, mm. um, I stayed in Florence and took a watercolor class. Lovely, yes, it was wonderful. No, cool. we all vicariously uh, went on vacation <laughs> with you. <laughs> thanks. Yeah, yeah, no, I posted all those pics because I'm trying to get my channel genie registry up and running again. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Cool, cool. So today we're going to focus because you're inspired by David and Goliath. You saw the statue of Goliath. I'm sorry, yes, the statue well, of David. I, yeah, actually, a while back I was really thinking about the story of David and Goliath. I, read, and I remember you mentioning that before you left, yeah. And then I mentioned it to a friend who told me about a Malcolm Gladwell book, and so then I started really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And then there I was in Florence standing in front of Michelangelo's David, so I really wanted to kind of incorporate all those thoughts and share share those and ask y'all's opinions. Oh, yeah. man, I can't wait. So yeah. it's a really long passage, um, mm-hmm. First Samuel 17, um, 1 through 50. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to have the guys read it to you. And then we're going we're gonna to set the political landscape. We're going to talk about the actual story and how inspiring it is, how the story of David and Goliath has merged into our modern culture, and then how we can personalize that and how we're seeing it. Um, from our perspectives today. Absolutely. First, let me um, engage us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for waking us up this wonderful uh, Saturday morning. We thank you so much for motivating us, for the love that we have for you and the love that you have for us. You have blessed us so much. There's a lot of uh, turmoil in this world, um, both uh, physical and also psychological and political, but we still have faith. We still believe that you are our God and that uh, you will take care of us. And we ask that you preserve our minds, preserve our emotions, especially as we come up towards the uh, the holiday season where we give praise to you and we give praise to each other as family. And we ask that everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we feel as we go out into the world will be touched by the love of you. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Right on. All right. Let's so jump in. Do. We got a lot, All right, we got so a lot to is, dig into. Red is right? going to read the first part, and then Craig is going to read the second part. All right. This is First Samuel 17th chapter, verses 1. I'm going to read through 31. Yes. And, yes. And, t- and tell them what version you're reading. You're yes, I'm read reading through, the NIV yeah. version. And um, 
And here we go. Now the Philistines gathered their forces for war and assembled at Sokoh in Judah. They pitched camp at Ephrath Damim between Sokoh and Azekah. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the Valley of Elah and drew up their battle line to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with a valley in between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man, and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' word, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrite, 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 I think it's Ephrite, named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The first son was Eliab. The second, Abinadab. Yep. Okay, Abinadab. And the third, Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend to his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For forty days the Philistines came forward every morning and every evening and evening took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, Take this epath of roasted grain and these ten loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these ten cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. They are with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah, fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning David left the flock in the care of a shepherd, loaded up and set out, as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines, facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines, and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines and shouted his usual defiance, and David heard it. Whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, Do you see how this man keeps coming out? He comes out to defy Israel. The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him his daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? They repeated to him what he had been saying and told him, This is what will be done to, for the man who kills him. When Elab, 
David's oldest brother heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom do you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done, said David? Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul, and Saul sent for him. Don't let anyone lose courage because this Philistine, David told Saul, I am your servant. We'll go out and fight him. You can't go out and fight this Philistine, uh, Saul answered David. You're still a boy, but he's been a warrior better ever since he was a boy. Your servant has kept his father's sheep, David replied to Saul. And if ever a lion or bear came and it carried off one of the flock, I would go after it, strike it, and rescue the animal from its mouth. If it turned on me, I would grab it at its jaw, strike it, and kill it. Your servant has fought both lions and bears. Uh, this uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has insulted the army of the living God. The Lord, David added, who rescued me from the power of both lions and bears will rescue me from the power of this Philistine. Go, Saul replied to David, and may the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own gear, putting a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David strapped his sword over the armor, but he couldn't walk around well because he never tried it on before. I can't walk in this, David told Saul, because I've never tried it before. So he took them off, and then he grabbed his staff and chose five smooth stones from the stream bed. He put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag and with sling in hand went out to the Philistine. The Philistine got closer and closer to David, and his shield-bearer was in front of him. When the Philistine looked David over, he sneered at David, because he was just a boy, reddish-brown and good-looking. The Philistine <laughs> asked David, Am I a, some sort of dog that you come at me with sticks? And he cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said to David, and I'll feed your flesh to the wild birds and the wild animals. But David told the Philistine, You are coming against me with sword, spear, and, and scimitar, but I come against you in the name of the Lord of heavy forces, of heavenly forces, the God of Israel's army, the one you've insulted. Today the Lord will hand you over to me. I will strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will feed your dead body and the dead bodies of the entire Philistine camp to the wild birds and the wild animals. Then the whole world will know that there's a God on Israel's side, and all gathered here will know that the Lord doesn't save by means of sword and spear. The Lord owns this war, and he will hand all of you over to us. The Philistine got up and moved closer to attack David, and David ran quickly to the front line to face him. David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone. He slung it and hit the Philistine on the forehead. The stone penetrated his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. And that's how David triumphed over the Philistine, with just a sling and a stone, striking the Philistine down and killing him. 
And David didn't even have a sword. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine. He grabbed the Philistine's sword, drew it from its sheath, and finished him off. And then David cut off the Philistine's head with the sword. And there you go. That's it. Yeah. Wow, there's a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. So much. So you had broken it down, Reg, earlier into kind of three distinct. Oh, sure. I didn't want to take away your no, no, uh, no, because no, no. I knew that you had a method. But there were three things that really stuck out uh, of me. There were um, so in verse eight, we have Goliath basically taunting and basically taunting the uh, the Israelites. Uh, the second thing we have David's older brother taunting David, basically mm-hmm. saying, you know, I know that you are conceited, and who knows what the history was behind <laughs> all of that. Um, brothers. See, yeah, I know. We brothers, always say that to the youngest, that. though. I mean, <laughs> I, I, as an older brother, I can kind of... Uh, yeah. I believe, uh, let me get to it, uh, Eliab. Yeah, it was Eliab who said that. That's verse 28. So that's the second thing. And then, of course, the third thing, which is, of course, the uh, that's... If this were a movie, this would be you know okay. the climax, which is the you know the action. Yeah. action. Boom, he, he kills him. What's so funny in my version, as I was listening to y'all read along, when David says he'll do it, mm-hmm. in my um, student Bible or the book, um, it says, "I didn't bring my student Bible; I brought the book," which is a very contemporary. Um, and I was reading translation. The, I was reading the Common English Bible, yeah. which mm-hmm. is totally so a totally different thing. It's so casual in this book that it says David says, "Don't worry about a thing. I'll take care of the Philistine." <laughs> and then Saul yeah. says, "Don't be ridiculous. How can a kid like you fight with a man like him? You're yeah. only a boy." I know. Verse <laughs> that sounds like cheesy dialogue. Verse <laughs> thirty-three. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's totally funny how casual it is. Yeah. Um, but uh, so historically, yes. I wanted to kind of set the stage. Yes. So we're in this valley, mm-hmm. fighting in this valley. Our, our camps and our military units are on the hillside looking down. Um, it's a land grab war, as usual, with the Israelites. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Don't figure. And, in the, and, and this is not uh, – this war has been going on for a while. Yeah. And, and even when the Israelites first came to this area, they were afraid of the Philistines, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and they were scared of giants <clears throat> in the past. And, and there's a, there's a quote in other parts of the Bible where they they were like they saw giants and so they were afraid, mm-hmm. and um, and so that's basically the Philistine army. They're mm-hmm. they're not stupid. They're going to hire the biggest men around to be in their army. Yep. Um, and and I always think of uh, every time I hear the David and Goliath story because I grew up in the 80s of Andre the Giant. Oh yeah, he <laughs> uh, was at least seven feet. I think he was seven feet yeah, two, so like three, in the or something Bride, like that. Yeah, th- those are the soldiers of the Philistines. Yeah, mm. and then we've got we've got the smaller, regular sized mm-hmm. men, Israelites. <laughs> yeah, whose hearts are as big as the giants <laughs> because of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what always strikes me about this story too is that these Philistines, and and that's why we use the phrase, phrase Philistine now, mm-hmm. they're battling the army of God, and they think they're going to win. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so as a Christian, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I so. already know the ending of this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> without even. Well, what's interesting even. is in verse, I mean, I think, let's see, I think it's verse 10. <laughs> you would think that the army of God would be have confidence. Right? And they're, they're terrified. They he are terrified. He just comes and, and taunts them, and they run away. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> so when we think about this, or when we think about this story in our Christian um, community, mm-hmm. we always talk about David having the courage of God and having yes. the faith of God. God has given him that 
the skill and the courage and the faith that he needs to conquer the Philistines. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of how I've <laughs> kind of how I've been fed it. And and yeah. and when people preach this to you, or when you hear about this story in Sunday school or church or whatever, mm-hmm. what do they say? They say to you. Yeah, they said you know, uh, you know, a, a young boy defeated, you know, a, right. a skilled fighter yeah. through you know, yeah, through an act of faith, through through an act of blind faith. Yes, yeah. that's exactly right. You yeah. have everything you need. Yep. God has given you everything you need to defeat your mm-hmm. challenges, your enemies, your Whatever. Yeah. You you can endure and you will be taken care of. Yep. That's exactly right. One That's a wonderful premise. And, and I think it has, I know for me, it has bolstered me in situations where I feel like I'm going to be defeated. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, that, that knowing that God has my back. Yeah. But then, then we see this kind of mutate into popular culture. Yep. Yep. So, uh, you know, we were talking earlier, like every sports film. Mm-hmm. Is a David and Goliath story. Oh, sure. <laughs> I think about Rudy. Yeah. I know. That wonderful uh, no, Notre Dame. Is it Notre Dame? Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But even the fictional ones, you oh, know, sure. that, that we, we hear about. Um, yeah. Major League, uh, Bull Durham. It's always, yeah. it's always, it's, it's always the same. Yeah. The underdog defeats yeah. mm-hmm. the, the person that yeah. should have everything that they need to win, right? Because yeah. yeah. Goliath is a, a seasoned warrior. Yes. Um. D- Goliath means release. I looked at that up. In release, Hebrew. release. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Whoa, I that's that, that, that's trippy. I thought mm-hmm. That was an interesting. Goliath note. means release. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Uh huh. So, um, and I think not only in popular culture, but even in—I mean, not even in sports movies—but I saw an ad the other day for that show Survivor, and oh, the theme yeah. is David and Goliath. So they have like big buff. Athletes on one side and brainiacs on the other. Yeah, yeah. of this show, which yeah. I don't watch. <laughs> it, it could be very tropey. The whole David and Goliath yeah, thing. Yeah, it's very, it's very tropey. Mm-hmm. And 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 you see it in plays. You see it, you know, in rock operas. Yeah, Tommy, like it's everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So I was telling a friend of mine how interested I was in this story mm-hmm. and how it impacts and permeate so much of our culture, not only for Christians, mm-hmm. but for non-Christians. And he pointed me to Malcolm Gladwell's TEDx talk. And um, and I, I told you guys about this when I heard about it, but this is fascinating to me in that despite as a Christian, how we imbue the story as a story of faith, mm-hmm. giving us courage, um, David was quite a skilled warrior himself he wasn't trained in the army but having grown up as a shepherd um and he used that sling every day and this isn't a toy this isn't a child's toy this is this is a weapon and and that in that time shepherds were so extremely accurate that a bird flying 200 feet above could be hit with a shepherd's stone and fell Mm -hmm. like they that's how they hunted that's how they protected their flock so his so David already knew that he had a skill set that that could help him, right? Yeah. He already knew that he could be accurate with that stone. And then when Saul tried to give him his armor, mm-hmm. you know, he says in there it's too heavy. He's yeah, like, verse I, I can't move around. Yeah. So so you've got this skilled athlete, really, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, who's nimble and quick, and who can. Um, 
in, inflict harm from 200 feet meters, meters away. Mm-hmm. And, and then you have this seven-foot giant who's nearsighted yeah. beca- because that is a symptom of that giant disease that Andre the Giant had. Who can be, who can't walk very well? His joints are stiff. He has heavy army on, mm-hmm. and then he's got some guy walking <coughs> in front of him with a shield. Yep, but he but he can play to his assets. He's built for endurance. He's also very strong, so he he doesn't Goliath doesn't necessarily have to endure because he he's very strong and he can strike a blow that would end a fight. Yeah, and it would take a lot of blows to to hurt him. To hurt him, so mm-hmm. he's playing to his strengths. Even though, you know, you're... But his strengths mean you have to be in close contact. You have to be in close contact. You have to be at least, yeah. you know, close enough to where that spear is going to hit you. Or the sword. Or the sword. Mm-hmm. And and even even if he put a little bit of effort to it, I, mean, I bet he could, like, split yeah. people in two. But, but David but doesn't have to get close weaknesses. to him. Yeah, exactly. But he's not focusing on his weaknesses or his opponent's strengths. Right, exactly. exactly. So yeah. he underestimates his opponent. That's exactly right. Which is an interesting, like, mm-hmm. I- an interesting thing to think about. Like, how do you, n- knowing what skills you have, yes. how do you navigate a world where everyone always underestimates you? Yeah. Your, Saul underestimates him. His brother underestimates it's David. It's funny how we associate, I've always associated the word Philistine to be somebody who's not all that bright. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I don't know if you grew up no, thinking that, but I, or anybody else did. But that's kind of if you called somebody a philistine, you know, you were kind of insulting their intelligence. Yeah, they were mm-hmm. stubborn, obtuse, not that bright. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, not, not being able to see the whole picture. Mm-hmm. So, so Malcolm Gladwell's premise is that David was a skilled person, a mm-hmm. warrior who knew what his skills were. So when he went on that battlefield, saw how afraid everyone was of getting close to this person. He knew that he could win a ba- one-on-one battle with him. He, he couldn't defeat the whole army. Right. But he knew he could win a one-on-one battle with this giant, given the hindrances mm-hmm. of the giant that the giant had yeah. and his advantages that no one was taking into account. Yeah. You know, it's, and I brought it up. There's, there's all sorts of psychological stuff going on, and it's fascinating that First Samuel, the writer, it has is focusing on that. It's not only that the giant is big, but he's basically being very boastful. Mm-hmm. He doesn't even think that the Israelites can can factor it in, and he's basically talking them down. He's telling them what he's going to do. He's not focusing on losing. He doesn't believe that he's going to lose, and right. it's working. The psychological impact is working on these Israelites who are afraid. Yeah. In verse eleven, they say, you know, every time he talked, they were terrified, and this as it. You know, uh, it, it's it's going on for a long time. And they're seasoned. The Israelites are seasoned warriors. Remember that yep. all throughout the this Bible, we talk about different passages. And I'm like, so there was a war going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, so the, there mm-hmm. was a land grab over here. Right. Um. Yeah. So so they've been in battle a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, and I, I find it very very fascinating. And how the Israelites? Because you were talking about this is the army of God. Yeah. These are army of people who believe in their faith and uh they you know they're christian well i shouldn't say christians because jesus hasn't come yet but you know they believe in god you know they believe in one the god. god of moses Moses. one god the god, yeah, the yeah. god of moses uh at this time and uh and i guess other people have other you know beliefs i mean it, you know it, it refers to this kind of 
obliquely as as their gods. The yeah. Philistines have yeah. they I have multiple gods. They have multiple gods. Yeah. So it's like but the Israelites, the, you know, they had been rescued from Moses. You know, they'd gone through the entire, you know, the Egyptian yeah, yeah, and they were, Exodus. They, they've been in, and they're, all this they're no stuff. strangers to involvement with other cultures. It's just exactly. that they embrace this uh, mono yeah. theistic culture. Yeah. yeah. But you would think that they would have a strong belief in their God that they could conquer anything or they, they know what the um, the how hard it's going to be, but they still have faith. I don't see any faith in here now. No. Yeah. see fear. Yeah, and a we lot kinda of fear. And s- we kind of skip from Saul being a great king to now I'm afraid. Yep. Um, what yep. do you think, though, about this Malcolm Gladwell premise before we kind of talk, move into personalizing it? Or the premise it or of, of, of David as he knew he was going to win. He walked in there knowing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that David didn't – Is it's not just – it's not just blind faith, you know, and it's one of the things that I talk about, you know, like um, there are Christians who are like, well, you know, Jesus will take care of everything, and, you know, I need my rent paid tomorrow. I'm just going to pray on it. Yeah. Well, God wants you to work. You know, he yeah. gives us hands and feet or whatever, so we have a skill set that we've been blessed with, so we have to use it. And I believe that's what Malcolm Gladwell is talking about. He, well, he doesn't go as that far sure. to coordinate the faith with that, but I'm right, so glad you brought that up because that was – that mm-hmm. was where I was headed. Yes. Because we've talked about this before. Blind faith isn't enough. You have to show up. Well, uh, you look at this last exactly week. Right. Everybody's kind of with this election. Everybody's, everybody's, who's the Goliath? Oh, I think we can all figure that out. But everybody's looking for a David or a Jesus. Right. Where's mm-hmm. my David? Yeah. Where's my, we're under siege here, people. Mm-hmm. We're freaked out. We've been freaked out for 40 days or two years or however you think about it. Mm -hmm. But we're freaked out. Where's my David? Where's my Jesus? And it's like stories like this always tell me you're every character in this book. You're every one. Yeah, I feel like the people under siege most of the time. When I read this, I just go like, yeah, I'm scared. I am tired of this oppression. I can't fight it by myself. Where's my Jesus? Where's my David? Well, son. You're looking at it. Yes. You're looking oh, at good, it. Good. Play exactly to your right. strengths. You have them. Mm-hmm. God accepts you the way you are. That means you're doing your best mm-hmm. right now the way you are. Mm-hmm. You're at your best. And guess who loves you? That's right. Exactly. You know who. It's That's what the faith is. The faith is you. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, you can be the damn Goliath, too, if you want to be. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know but, what, but, you know, yeah. you, nobody what, wants to be the, the and, Goliath. But and, what's, and what's interesting about, yeah. about uh, David, yeah. David knows. He it's not just blind faith, but he has an idea. He has a game plan. Yeah. yeah. He's like, listen, I've been killing lions, and I've been killing, you know, wolves, anyone who's been trying to attack my sheep. So I know what I'm going to do. So he, he has a game plan. It's sort of like, you know, a football team, like I th- keep on thinking about, um, Appalachian State when they went against Michigan in 2007 is, is considered the greatest upset in history because this is a team, you know, you have your top 10 team in NCAA and they get all sorts of funding, millions of dollars come in from donors. And then you have this one, I believe it was a double A team who's supposed to be a, a cupcake for Michigan. This is in 2007. And, but they, they You'll knew have to explain cupcake to everyone, <laughs> including easy, me. An it's easy a, game. It's an easy opponent. Basically, easy a, lot of these, a lot of these are uh, high. A snack. A snack. I'm going to be the sports <laughs> <I'm gonna> <laughs> <be> <laughs> podcast from now on. Guys. Okay. All right. A lot of these teams can choose their opponents. <laughs> they don't want to choose Ohio State all the time or Alabama or whatever. Right. They want to choose no, a, no, a little, of a teeny weeny team, <laughs> give them a lot of money so they can get stomped a on. A little sugar. And that'll be fine. <laughs> But this is a team that had been very, very good in their own division. 
they knew they had a skill set, they had a plan, and they knew what they were going to do, and they executed it. And it's considered the greatest NCAA football defeat in history. So they knew what they were going to do, um, and I believe David knows exactly what he's going to do. He knows, hey, I just I need I know how I'm going to throw this rock or this, use the sling. I know where I need to hit him, and. But you know what? When Wal- when Saul said, "Here's my armor," yes. So there, th- there's a twofold meaning for me there. Like mm-hmm. the king is giving you his armor. Yes. So you're you're being granted the king's, mm-hmm. I don't know, benefits or sure. his blessing. Mm-hmm. And so you're like, okay, I, I will put the armor on. But but the other thing I think about when I think of David trying to armor on is he's like, Decision. I'm taking all the input I can get. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try and synthesize it into one plan. Yep. And then he takes that armor and he's like, I don't need this armor. Yeah. It's hindering me. Yep. Um, and I and I know where my skills are. Yeah. And I, I'm going to go execute the plan that yeah. I originally wanted. And I think that has a double meaning. I think, uh, at least for me, one is I've taken other people's advice. And we do this all the time. You know, mm-hmm. someone who is an elder tells us, hey, listen, this is what you need to do. Mm-hmm. This is how I've done it through the years. So he's got the armor. You need the armor. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And I think the time where you become an adult is where you can say, thank you for the advice, but I know what I need to do. And it's a moment of faith as well, where you believe I've got what I need in order to, to succeed. Right. This is uh, this is why I think this is the, cul- the such a. I mean, it, it, it has always been considered the culmination of David's mm-hmm. arrival into his leadership, right? Yeah. His his kingdom mm-hmm. and uh, of being king, and and I think it's that combination, like you're saying, of faith mm-hmm. and of of his wisdom, his own skill and wisdom, and faith in himself yeah See, he's showing up mm-hmm. for himself yeah and he's showing up for god yeah and i wanted to sort Does of that make sense? Oh, I, yeah. I got a push notification so the governor's race if anyone's been following the F- florida governor's oh. race andrew gillum had lost but not really they're, 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 they're going to do a recount so that of is course. official so oh and it ties into here because so, you think yeah. our goliaths are winning and i see it all the time on facebook it's like Nothing can be done. Nothing can be done. We keep on doing this thing. Kavanaugh's is in, and um, and he's he's you know, and there are these edicts that are be done by Trump. And what can we do? We keep on fighting and and the mass shootings. You know, nothing can. And Congress isn't going to do anything. Yeah, and Trump just said frustrated. today he's going to defund all of the uh, disaster assistance for the fires that are burning right, right now. Three major as we fires speak. happening in California. California. We're living here in uh, the Bay Area. Um, about 200 miles away from uh, most of these fires, and it's one the, above the, the, and one below. The air here is almost unbreathable. They're putting out public warnings. Yeah. So to be defunded by your um, president mm-hmm. simply because he doesn't we really he doesn't really like you all that much. Yeah. Uh, sort of gives you an idea of like how how people are feeling right now. Yeah. I think the one remarkable thing before we move on to um, uh, uh, other topics about or other tangents about this. I think this. We're, we're on the next one now. Oh, well, one more thing. Okay, yeah, one yeah. more thing before we move on is that uh, uh, not only to Saul and the other people and Goliath and the Philistines, um, they're all unaware of, of David's strengths. Right. And yeah. like that, I feel as though each of us have, have an ace up our sleeve when we believe Mm-hmm. When we believe in ourselves, when we believe that what we're doing is right, mm-hmm. we don't have to scream it at the top of our lungs. 
and we don't have to intimidate others, you know, with our um, piety, our, mm-hmm. our, our sanctimoniousness. Yeah. We just, we just need to believe in ourselves and believe that God loves you. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, and you have individual strengths that other people are going to be blown away by. Mm-hmm. Blown away. Yep. And you may be blown away too, but, mm-hmm. you know, that's the, that's the power of, of, of faith. Absolutely. That's the power of it. And, you know, we can move on, but that's, that's – Well, no, my on. next question is going to be how do you – how does this story impact you? So I think that what you just said is – I've had big giants screaming at me that I'm worthless. <laughs> mm. Yeah. For yeah. long periods of time, more than 40 days. I, my life's been under siege for a while. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm listening and have listened. And you know what? The louder they scream, the less truth there is. Mm-hmm. I think, so. I think you know, I was thinking about your point earlier, Craig, about how we're all the people in the story. We're every, we're every character. Well, that's how we need to see it. Yeah. And, and I was thinking, I, I, first, an instant I flashed on, I'm Saul. I feel old. I feel like I'm under siege, and I don't have a lot of hope sometimes. Mm-hmm. And then yesterday, I was dealing with a very um, difficult situation at my office, and yesterday a friend texted me, and they were like, you're, you're going to be okay. You know, they gave me all these words of encouragement, and they reminded me of what my skill set is. And, mm-hmm. and they were like, you, you're too valuable to, to, your, to us and to yourself to let yourself feel this way. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, she was my David yesterday. Right on. <laughs> yeah, so, right on. <laughs> so I, I appreciate, like, looking at it from all those perspectives. Yeah. So what about you? How does the story personally, like... Very similarly, um, on a grand scale, um, I've, I've, um, it's funny how we, uh, you know, we call this podcast, You Gotta Have Faith, Mm -hmm. and it's about the faith that we have in ourselves, the faith that we have in our God, and faith that we have in people, and it's unfortunate that there's so many times where we need to see it. We don't believe it unless we can see (laughs) something. And uh, I, I've been for blame for that myself, where I can't really believe something's going to happen unless I see it. Um, like I, I just produced a, uh, I finished producing a play, Four Men in Paris. And I remember the early, early versions I'm talking about a couple of years ago when I would send it out to folks. And they'll be like, well, not really. You know, we've got problems with this and that and this and that. And if I listened to any of those folks who said, this isn't ready. <laughs> it wouldn't have gotten written. It would have never been written. It would have never been produced. Yeah. I would have never, you know, touched a little bit of lives that I had. And it only shows sometimes you have to say, just as David did, I hear what you're saying. Thank you very much. And I, you mean well, but I'm going to go for it anyway. And I'm going to do, I'm going to shine or, you know, I'm going to present myself in my way to the world. Mm-hmm. And, and by the way, Reggie's show when it performed for limited run was sold out oh uh, yeah <laughs> oh yeah out of i was there last yeah. night with everybody standing up yeah that was cool yeah that no, was it cool. was awesome thank you thank you very much yeah. but also here's a quick story so yesterday i'm riding on the bart and there's an individual who um was sort of out of it uh i think he was high or whatever i mean there's all sorts of problems going on in bart um and he attacked uh he verbally attacked an asian woman and uh, he yelled at her. He screamed at her, shouted obscenities, truly tried to intimidate her. And um, he, uh, this guy obviously felt that he could intimidate anyone and everyone would just back off and just be afraid of him. But a group of us passengers were like, hey, listen, you can't do this. And we protected her. 
and uh, we filed a police report, and the police came, the VAR police came and escorted him out. And it, what's fascinating, when the police approached him, he immediately cowered and was like, well, no, I, I didn't really say anything, and I, I didn't, and blah, 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 blah. But he was arrested. They found a weapon on him. He had a pair of scissors. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I didn't tell you that part. No, man, no. this story is like you've <laughs> deepening. Yeah, I, I always unpack it just a little bit, but it, no, it's all true. Yeah, you're lucky. But that guy clearly thought of him as a Goliath. Not only will I intimidate you, I'll intimidate you with just my words, and you will cower. It's, it's sad how so many people will try to use power through fear. They think that yeah. if I yell and scream and, you know, and show how dominant I am, usually men, let's Bullying be honest. Bullying and fear. Bullying and fear, that that equates power. We've seen it in all of our shootings. You know, there have been a couple of shootings that happened earlier this week. We see it in our president. We see it in uh, the people in our own individual lives. And sometimes we are have a knee-jerk reaction to cower, a knee-jerk reaction to acknowledge sub- their supposed power. Well, this person, I mean, he has a suit on, and, he, you know, he's all powerful, and he said this, and, wow, you know, he's really upset, so, you know, we have to – and – I would invite anyone to, you know, act like David to say, listen, just because you think you're empowered because you can yell and scream doesn't mean that you can control my life. Explore the possibilities. Absolutely. Don't just be shut down by what's exactly right. force on you. Yeah. So yeah. those are my two stories. Those, that's how I'm Man, and life. that that was just the other day. Exactly. Oh, was it yesterday? Yesterday. It was yesterday. That was yesterday. Yeah. As hmm, I was coming I would say work. that's I would say that's quite a topical uh, reference there. <laughs> yes it is. Yes, yes it is. Well, and I think that, you know, as Craig you were alluding to and as Raj you just said, like when we think about what's happening here in America mm-hmm. in our political landscape, there are we we did have some David conquering Goliath stories. Absolutely. Occur during this last election. Yeah. S- some disappointments in Texas particularly. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see, we're seeing a lot of more women and people of color in office, mm-hmm. and and that younger gives me people, hope. younger yeah. people, uh, academics, yes, uh, people who are running for office because they actually care about their yeah. own communities, yeah. and they're not yeah. just running for office. Women, because of, women of color, people who are talking about topics yeah. and not mm-hmm. about other people. Exactly, people <laughs> who are dealing with issues in their local issues, level and not the issues of corporations that live far away. Right. Right. And, and if you're feeling besieged by the political landscape, look around you. There, there are a lot of opportunities to volunteer. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a wonderful friend of mine, um, Shabir Safdar, and his team did um, a California Away Team campaign where they went to um, congressional races where they thought they could flip the candidate, mm-hmm. and they did door-to-door vetting and trying to get registered Democrats out to vote, and they were very successful. Awesome. That's fantastic. Just a, a hands-on-the-ground thing. Well, getting right back to the scripture a little bit, sure. um, the, the identifying with uh, characters, I, you know, mm-hmm. I identify a lot with the, um, with the Israelite, or in this case, I, I think I'm calling them Israelites. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they are. And in, my, in my book, they said uh, Goliath was nine feet tall. He carried a armor that was 125 pounds. His spear alone was weighed 20. The, the head of it, the head of his spear, but weighed 25 pounds. So, you know, I mean, you were talking about how many shekels it weighed and so forth. I just wanted to yeah, say yeah, in my yeah. Bible, it kind of like narrows of it down. To, narrows yeah. it down to kind of an English kind of way of thinking sure. about yeah. weight. Yeah. But, um but apart from that, uh, the Israelites, facing this fear of battle, facing the siege every day, these insults, these, this bullying, this, 
what are we going to do about this? The situation in our lives ain't changing. It's staying exactly the same. It's staying exactly the same. And you get used to this fear mentality. Yes, yeah. you do. And you get used to you. You can kind of like, I mean, we're adaptable creatures. I mean, you're in a you're in a fucking toxic, abusive situation. You get you go like, oh, I'm dealing with it. I'm coping. Just, I'm, just like when there's another shooting somewhere. Oh, I know. Just about to Another shooting. I just got to take this in and understand that the the world is cruel. Yeah. You know, in a lot of wars, you know, especially you talk about World War One, where people are in trenches, they would often shoot over their enemies' heads rather than watch their watch themselves kill another human being. You know, but they would not leave the trench. You know. Yeah. And and here is change. And it comes in the most unobtrusive kind of way, mm-hmm. kind of like it's not. This is not change. This is not change. This is actually just murder. I mean, I would think and so sending this little boy out there, it it seems pathetic and mean mm-hmm. to do so, and yet they do because he has such faith mm-hmm. and you know, such belief and, co- and confidence and, yeah. and confidence, and says to them, you know what, things aren't going to stay the same. Things are not going to be status quo, you know. And it's a small voice. Yeah, it's a small voice. It's not this powerful screaming Goliath who's saying like, "You'll never know freedom. You'll never know happiness. Mm-hmm. You're going to live in war as long as I want you to live in war. And when I don't want you to live in war, I'm going to bring you as my slaves and or kill you." Yeah, you know. And here comes this very small voice. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, uh-uh. uh. Yeah. Now. What I'm trying to explore, and this may be kind of weird, is where am I the Goliath in this story? And that may not be a very pretty side either. Well, I did you talk know? about how, maybe I, I actually talked about this in my other podcast, but I had to realize, especially when we did the rehearsal process in Foreman in Paris, we have privilege as men. I never think, you know, as a black man that I have privilege. You know, I still have to work and whatever, but I still have some privilege, and I have to sort of check myself. Like, there are things that... I take for granted, like I was asking you, Deb, earlier today, what does a woman have to go through when it comes to, like, dating or, you know, just uh, being afraid or, like, going to your car? I don't worry about walking the streets at night. Like, I went to get some medicine. I had some surgery done on my teeth. And I had to go to uh, CVS late at night. And I just went and did it. Now, if I were a woman, it would be a little different. You mean different. you got out on your bike, you know, exposed yeah. without your armor on? And, right, and right, exactly. Oh, okay. And Sorry. didn't have to search around or whatever, and, but... Yeah, you didn't I, have to take a weapon with yeah. you or look, look yeah. and only go places where the street lights were on? <laughs> right, exactly. Oh, okay. And as a Christian, I have to constantly remind myself, put myself in other people's shoes. How would someone else be um, if they were in my position? Yeah, there, there was a, a viral um, tweet that went around. For, that was like asking women, what would you do if you knew that you could leave the house at 9 p.m. at night and you, you, there weren't any men out? And people were like, wow, I'd go for a walk with my dog. I'd go for a run without worrying. I'd walk to the store. Yeah. You know, just basic things that men take for granted. You don't have to pack a taser. You don't. I have don't to have to a carry my keys with a key sticking out in case I have to stab someone to get away. I yeah. would go <laughs> dancing. I would look at the they, stars. They say I would go dancing. I'd go yeah. to a remote place and look at the stars. I'd go yeah. read a book by myself yeah. somewhere. Um, these are things that women 
don't take for granted. Yeah. So when you talk about the parallels, like, do we see ourselves as a Goliath? I mean, no one wants to see themselves as a Goliath. No, I mean, it's hard. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Like, if we're really, truly going to take on this story. That's right. And, and try and absorb yeah. all the wisdom. Mm-hmm. You've got to be that, too. I, yeah. I, I can see myself more Goliath at the office where I'm telling people <laughs> what yeah. to do. Well, sometimes you have to, yeah. Why are you doing that? Yeah. No, you need to do it like yeah. this. <laughs> but also another you, thing. What would you do? The stop what you're doing yeah. and do it. <laughs> but also another aspect of Goliath is overlooking someone else's talents. Exactly. That's true. That's true. By just saying, well, you know, Jimmy is just this and that, or that's yeah. all that I see. And a lot of times we can only see what we see. Mm-hmm. If you had another talent, like, uh, you know, for those who don't know, Craig is an accomplished pianist. I would have <laughs> I'm never a hack. <laughs> Just to let you know. I'm, I'm a songwriter. I'm a hack. I'm a hack. Yeah. But, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> but think you, I would have never known that unless you pulled up my core again and started playing. Oh, come on. You've heard me play. Yeah, uh, yeah I think prior to that. But, right, right. but you showed it to me. Oh, yeah. Okay. And there are a lot of people who don't show their talents. They have a David inside of them where they have the skill set, but they don't show it. Because they never had a, never had a reason to. Or they never had somebody believe in them. That's right. Well, you have to have faith in yourself. Yeah. And I think um, one of the lessons of this story is that God believes in you. Yes. And He has given you skills mm-hmm. and wisdom. Yeah. And you should trust in that. Yeah. I also think about the the Israelites. How many times have we had the opportunity to step up? And say, hey, listen, I'm not going to take this anymore. But we don't do it. A lot. Yeah. <laughs> like Saul the king. You We're know. conditioned to say, don't rock the boat. You know, don't mm-hmm. stir up the pot. Yeah. Just let it be smooth and non-contentious. Yeah. You know, if Goliath says, I will kick your ASS. And we say, yeah, he probably will. Uh, let me just, you know, back off. Oh like the, Go ahead. Oh, my gosh. I mean, you know, here's a person who... He did have strengths. Not to say Goliath didn't have strengths. He no, had, like, he did. you know, he was he was massive, strong, mm-hmm. intimidating, you know, and he knew what his strengths were. Yeah, but he didn't know the strengths of other people. Exactly. You know, that's being a brag. He wasn't even looking. That's that's being <laughs> a. Or, I think myopic is is the thing. Sure. You do not when you mm-hmm. when you can't see. Yeah. Um, uh, certain things in your periphery that mm-hmm. maybe I don't know. And he may have been literally myopic that, as well. That, yeah. may have, yeah, that may have been worth looking at, like, say, danger, yeah. <laughs> you know, and a stone coming at you. But, um, but he, you know, he, he, he lacked agility, you know. Yeah. And I think maybe he knew that because the, the shield guy was, like, Sure. Like running around shielding him. Yeah, I imagine like a regular sized guy like <laughs> you know, running around like, protecting yeah. him from because the side. Go left, go yeah. right. Yeah. 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 But, but I, and you know what's funny? I even look at that individual as enablers. People who enablers. Yes. Oh, yeah, that yeah, stinking good. shield guy. Yeah, he could have like, you know, run yeah. over to the other side. Like so so early this week Trump had uh, shouted down a protest uh, shouted down a CNN um, anchor. Uh, Jim Acosta. Oh, yeah. He lost his press pass. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, I, so, uh, and there was an intern, this uh, young white woman. She assaulted him, didn't she? Well, <laughs> who know, if you believe what the press says. No, if you, you don't. Be, if you believe what the White House says. The White House says, says. yeah, exactly. And she grabs, because she was, she's told that's her job yeah. to, hey, take that thing and take it away from the press. Yeah. And I wonder about, because inter- we have interns at our office, and I'm sure you have interns at your oh. office, Deb. Yeah. We pick and choose what jobs we have, what jobs we want. Um, 
I wonder about that intern. I wonder if there's something in her that says, why am I doing this? Because you're told to. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot of the people that are close to Trump and his camp, they all have a very distinct mindset. Yeah. And a distinct set of beliefs that are opposite to what the three of us believe, mm-hmm. opposite to reason many times. Yeah. I, I don't. I, I wouldn't say that um, – what's the word I'm looking for? A- academic or philosophical uh, thought processes are coming into mind. It's all based on a gut response yeah. to fear. I think so. And I'm not – In anti- my perspective. I'm, I, honestly, I'm not anti-Republican. I think that I have friends who are Republican, and there are Republicans that I – like the, the lately departed John McCain. I thought that – yeah, I think that he is an American hero. Veterans Day is coming up, and uh, although you celebrate the dead on Memorial Day, but there are wonderful individuals who served our country who are conservative, who are fantastic. I love some Republicans, too. Yeah. I don't love people who are close to Trump. Exactly. I think I think the way I'll break it down, and 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 I I normally I jump right on the political bandwagon, but I really want to talk about um, what motivates us and what we worship um, in ourselves and in our lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it's you know you can have lots of differences philosophically with somebody, sure, and you can have congruencies philosophically. Spiritual with mm-hmm. people and emotionally with people. I think that's why people get together and kind of mm-hmm. like decide to be a family or, you know, even though they weren't a family before mm-hmm. or why, why friends get together and decide to be friends and, mm-hmm. and care for one another. I think it's because, you know, you do find alliances uh, in a spiritual and emotional and a philosophical sense. But a lot of times we're not motivated by those things. That comes maybe down the list a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of times we're motivated by money and mm-hmm. and power yeah. and control mm-hmm. and yeah. sex and addiction yeah. and routine. What do they stuff. say? The three plots, power, sex, and money, revol- they revolve around power, sex, and money. Yeah. Everything yeah. can be yeah. – well, everything can, is a at, sub. That's what you don't discuss at, at parties. At parties, unless, unless power, you know sex, somebody. and money. <laughs> right. And, and, and politics. Yeah. But, you're, but, you're, but you're right, ritual. I mean, ritual is one thing. But, you know, know, I'm, but I'm just saying, you know, what, what, pushes, what pushes those things up on the list brings us to this inevitable battle that we have to have. Mm-hmm. We're all de- we all need to have this battle. We'll, we can wait around it our, and let our lives be in siege. Mm-hmm. But this battle is going to happen over and over again, and something's going to change until it actually does. Yeah. And what you need to do is bring those small little David voices, like, I can, I yeah. will, I have the ability, God loves me. Yes. Bring that forward to the top. Yes. You know, and yeah. let and let the let the war begin. You know, you know I, let I, it begin. Yeah. Let the winners start winning. Yeah. Let the you know? small voice be yeah. heard. Yeah, let the small voice I be really heard. do believe that this David marks an evolution in faith, at least as far as in this, because we have an individual who has the exact same skills or, you know, he's he's no different from any of the other Israelites 
Boy, that's shield bearer. He's the, he's and, the, and he's even considered less skilled. And he's than the baby. Exactly. Yeah. He's the baby. What are his brothers get to th- sit there at the at the front lines and eat cheese all day long? Yeah. He has to go out and do yeah. like the grunt work. And it reminds me of uh, all of us in life who we have a skill set, but we don't necessarily recognize it, and we don't step forward. I look. If we had to put a button on this, in verse forty-seven in First Samuel seventeen, David says this. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spirit that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you, he will give all of you into our hands. Basically, he's saying, listen, you may have a sword, you may have a spirit, you may have, you know, your armor and all that stuff, but I have the love of God inside of me, and that will be enough. Yeah, he's saying to all of them, too, it's like, you know, you could have done it, too. Yep. If I can do it, you can do it. Exactly. And that's and that's what we should be saying to each other when we see our brothers and sisters hurting. It's like, you know, if I can pick myself up, you can pick yourself that's up. That's exactly if right. If I can fight for what really seems impossible, you can fight what what's really seems impossible. That's right. You know, yeah. that's the motivation. Yes. That's I, th- the motivation. I think the other thing that I was just thinking when you were both talking is that as, as leaders mm-hmm. in our communities, we need to allow, give space to the Davids. Yeah. Give them space <coughs> to make their changes. Yeah, um, Saul. Uh, everyone probably thought Saul was insane mm-hmm. when he when when, <laughs> when he was like, "All right, kid, you're up." Yeah, here's my here's my here's that. Yeah, and he, and he puts on this like these shoulder pads. Yeah, and, and then, He's like, yeah. you know, they're practically right. fall, falling yeah. off this little kid's shoulder. Yeah, and this helmet that like is lopsided. Yeah, you know, it's like yeah. I, and, it's, I, and it's funny you mention that because one of the best bosses I've ever had was someone who said, you know what, um, we don't know how to solve this problem, but you know. Reg, you know, t- uh, let's, you know, whatever. And Give it a shot. Yeah. And in our hierarchy in the DA's office, they're the attorneys. They're the investigators, the peace officers with the guns and the badges. <laughs> and then there's the support staff. And there's Reg. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we had a very complicated case and we had a lot of paperwork. We had a lot of organization and, you know, the attorneys really didn't know how to whatever. And, and they were like, hey, listen, can we have some suggestions to how we're going to put this case together? And we all sat together, and you know, I got a word in as well as everyone else, and we and we did it. Oh, but to have a manager or to have someone in your life say, "Listen, you haven't had a lot of word to say, you haven't had much to say. What do you have to say?" Yeah, mm-hmm. we we invite you to step forward. Right, right on. And we should do that. We can be David, where we step forward, or we can be you know Saul and allow someone to step forward. Exactly. There we are. Shall we just put a button on it? Yeah. <laughs> right on. I thought this is a fantastic yeah. one, a fantastic so verse. What did I write as the kind of the theme for me? You, you That was great that you called out that um, verse. Mm-hmm. M- my sentence that I wrote is, God gives grace to his people to see things through. Mm-hmm. Trust in him and you will find comfort and courage to endure. There you go. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> And, and it's funny. I'll say just one last thing. I was reading. So there was a shooting that happened. I think it was. Um, oh, shoot. I, I can't even remember anymore. Twelve people died. In Santa Barbara? Santa Barbara. Yeah, thank you. And um, I was reading some of the comments. I think it was posted on Slate or one of these things. And the comments were just so people were just frustrated. As a matter of fact, one of the victim, the mother of the one, one of the victims was like, listen, I'm sick of hearing prayers and, you know, thanks and prayers. I want something to be she done. She gun control. And um, I invite people, don't be, don't be discouraged. You know, it, things are bad, and there will be another shooting or another catastrophe or another something that will outrage you. We, ha- we call this podcast, you got to have faith. 
have faith. Have faith in the system. Have faith in yourself. And if you're frustrated with what's going on, step forward. Have hope. Be the data. Have hope. Yeah. There you go. Right Who's okay. going to close us out? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I just want to say, uh, yeah. dear God, thank, thank you once again for having us all together. Um, here we are um, going strong every week, um, really enjoying your word and really finding a personal way to fit it into our lives, a way to try to reach out to our brothers and sisters. A special prayer for all of our brothers and sisters out there who are just shaken up by the violence and, and the oppression and the fear is going on. We want to send our love and our hope and our faith to all of them and know that they're going to be on, at our backs. With, on, you know, They'll have our backs when we need it. And, um, and together we can grow a loving world the way uh, it was meant to be, as in the Lord's prayers, as on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 A wonderful one. And here is my blurb. Faith is a podcast open to anyone. You may not believe at all. You may be Muslim, Jewish, agnostic, or atheist. You may have had horrible experience in the church, which have made you turn your back to God. You can still have faith. We ask that you listen to this podcast, even challenge us. We're on Facebook, SoundCloud. That's where the podcast is. You can also uh, write us directly. I have a uh, Twitter and also Instagram account. You can find me, Reg Space Clay, and D.L. Carragher for Deb. And share what you feel. Don't feel alienated because we speak of what we believe. The Bible has been around for thousands of years. And even now, in the age of the Internet and social media and great technology, it still has a message for all of us. You can listen to this podcast on the Apple Podcast app or on iTunes. Just open up your iTunes app, click on Store, go on the search engine on the upper right-hand side and search for you got to have faith and you'll find us. If you use Android, download the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com. Search for us and you will find us. Thank you for listening. And God bless.